we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of our We Power On season of the Northern Power Women podcast. I'm your host, Simone Roche, and every week I'm joined by someone from our Northern Power Women community and beyond who we can all learn from and gain top tips. And today, I, my guest is someone who had a copious amounts of wisdom to share from the personal to the professional. It's Rebecca Hurst, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer for the fabulous EY UK. Rebecca leads a team of brilliant brand marketing and communication experts aligned behind EY's purpose of building a better working world. And prior to joining EY. She led marketing at Samsung and at Coca-Cola. She's also a TEDx speaker and host, I just found out, and a board advisor to Distillery, who won Campaign's Independent Agency of the Year 2020. Rebecca has a passion for nutrition and has built a successful side hustle as the health coach to high flyers, working with senior leaders on health and well-being. I'm literally going to have to get in the queue for that. Welcome, (laughs) Rebecca. Welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast. Great to see you again since we we met at the Northern Power Women Awards, oh gosh, six weeks or so or something like that. I don't know where the time goes. We're practically in summer. What a night that was. Oh my God, it was amazing. I loved it. I was buzzing for days. It was like literally people came to party, but party with respect, I think. There was a real respect for everything going on in the room. And it was, it was, it was, it was a real uplift, wasn't it? You know, and it was great to meet you and just great to have your support as well. So thank you so much. Pleasure. And I'm I'm gonna get back, I need to get back to the health coach to high flies because it's a real issue for me, the whole nutrition. So I'm gonna come back to that in a while. I know that'll be of interest to so many people, but you have worked in some massive organizations in your career, Coca-Cola, Samsung and now EY. How did you ensure your voice was heard around those tables? Honestly, it took practice. It took a lot of practice because I, and I was quite shy as a kid and I wasn't the first person to speak up. Um, and I found the idea of almost just like interjecting a bit mortifying. So in the, in the working world, getting over that and getting over myself really was probably the most important thing in all of it. And I had a boss in my very early years who said to me, in a way, it doesn't matter what you say, just practice, just practice saying something. In each and every meeting that you're in, in each and every kind of forum, say something. I was like, God, why would you say something when it, in my head, I'm thinking that's not important. Why would I say it? But over the years, I kind of realized that the more that you do it, the more it starts to feel natural. And nowadays, I'm, I'm really comfortable with it, but it took a lot to get there. And the one thing I think when at some of the, I call them like the scary tables, particularly at Samsung, which is it's a very male orientated organization and it's very hierarchical and conservative. I used to I used to practice saying I come at this from a different point of view because I was I was in a room with commercial directors, sales directors, operation directors, and they're all quite kind of alpha in a way and often sort of fighting to get their voice 
A to be heard the most and B to be the loudest. So I use that those words and I coach women now who say, I don't know how to get my voice heard. And say, well, say this, say to the room, I come at this from a different point of view and my point of view is, because A, they can't argue with your point of view, it's your point of view, you don't have to be right or wrong. And the other thing that I found really useful was as the marketeer in the room, in the room, and I think it's a slight, slight cliche stereotype in all of this that in the early days at Samsung, there was marketing, who was a female director, that was me, and HR, who was a female director. And I think that plays out in a lot of organizations and the rest of the team is male. I'd use the premise of, well, I'm the voice of the customer in the room. I'm representing the millions of Samsung fans and buyers. And again, I'd use that. So I, I come at this from a different point of view. And I think the, the customer is saying this to us. So it's almost like finding a way in that wasn't right or wrong or in, in to battle with somebody was, was probably the best way that I found to do it. I love that. I love that. I love those kind of pre-rehearsed because sometimes you think, oh, you know, and we've all done it, I think. And people out there listening will go, oh God, I don't want to sound stupid. I don't want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But I love that, you know, practice, 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 and then have that pre-rehearsed because that basically says straight away, I'm coming at this from a different, I'm representing, I'm taking a role, I'm waving the flag for, isn't it? It's And it's finding words that you're comfortable with as well, isn't it? You don't have to go and take and dress up in someone else's words it's finding something that fits you isn't it that was definitely one of my hacks the other thing as well that I did um, I needed to do quite early on and this is this comes from straight talking northern you know ness is that I had to have some some outside of the room conversations with a few of my male colleagues to using the words and I remember this conversation I had to look him in the eyes and say stop throwing rocks at me because everyone's a marketeer right everyone thinks they know marketing everyone sees stuff in the world and sees adverts and thinks I I, I can do that I know I know I know how to do that so I found in the early days um, this is at Samsung very different at Coca-Cola which is a marketing-led organization Samsung wasn't quite there yet often there was lots of opinions about what good marketing looked like and I was on the receiving end quite a lot of those personal opinions and it often felt quite confrontational. So there's this one bloke in particular who was pretty like hardcore sales director. And I just, I just found him really, really confrontational in every single leadership team meeting. So I took him aside outside the room and it was sort of le- both leaning on this kind of banister, this rail in the office. So I actually wasn't looking into his eyes and I said, you have to stop throwing rocks at me and you have to stop throwing rocks at my team and he's very like oh I don't do that I'm like you do and this and I reeled off like do 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 um recent times where he'd done exactly that I said I need you to be my ally I need you to advocate for me because we're on the same team and ultimately we are trying to deliver results for this business so the more that you chuck rocks in my direction the more that you're actually hampering that and he was totally different after that he was not as brutal or confrontational as he was and I actually thought, you know what, I learned, I learned a really valuable lesson in that situation. He just was not aware of his behavior and the impact he was having. So fronting up to that and saying, look, it's not a personal attack, but what I need you to do for the sake of our business, and we're both here to grow the business, is this. And I, again, I coach women that I work with if they're finding similar things is don't bring it up in front of a room because egos get in the way and it gets quite aggro. 
just have a sad conversation because we're all human at the end of the day. And you called it out. It's calling that elephant out in the room, isn't it? And, you know, you're all on the same side. We talk an awful lot about advocacy and allyship. And as you were saying all of that, I'm like, you, you, you kind of, it's that education piece, isn't it? And I remember having to do it to a, a boss many years ago. She would work, it was in the hospitality industry. She worked at sort of the weekend shifts and I'd be there more in the, in the weekday shifts. And you'd always get these very sort of, um, what we'd call now passive aggressive emails at like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. when there was the, the locking up. And I remember having to, in the nicest way, again, like you say, don't do it in a meeting, do it in a, I know you don't mean it by writing that, but actually the way it does. And I think, I think if you go like head to head, all you're going to do is unleash the ego, isn't it? And I think, again, I'm loving this. There's so many top tips in this. This would be great when you look at the cheat sheet when it comes out after <laughs> this as well. But, but these, these things that your learnings and your tips and is this, this is what made you determined to change that reality for women in the future and, you know, women in your peer groups. We spoke before this meeting about people that you've opened doors for and sponsored or, or nurtured or, or whatever it is. What were some of the other things that you did to advocate for more women to come into, into the, in, into the, the board and into your sphere of influence, I suppose? Yeah, well, it's, um, it's what drove me really. And I never, um, this is going to sound really stupid, but I never really wanted a job at Samsung. I'd been at Coca-Cola for seven years. I'd taken redundancy because there was a big restructure. And at that point in time, I was just setting up my side hustle, um, Glorious Wellness. And I needed a bit of time out. And so I was happily sort of bibbling along, bootstrapping a a business. And so I gone from these massive organizations to bootstrapping my own business, which was amazing. We'll talk about that probably another time. But I got a call from a friend who was at Samsung and he said, um, will you come and help me do some stuff? Like we're really under, under resourced. And I was like, you know what? That's probably not a bad idea. Get a bit of cash flow while I'm building um, the nutrition business. And I said, as long as it's not full time, it's not permanent. I'm cool with that. And within about a week of being there, we were at one of those corporate away days in the summer and it's slightly, slightly cliched. You know, teepee on a beanbag in a field in Hertfordshire you know it's kind of like all the tickle tickle the cliche boxes and I was on this beanbag and the big boss um, was on stage talking about this amazing piece of technology that was coming down the line from from the Samsung developers and he was talking about it and then he showed showed a picture of the project team on 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 the screen and about two minutes before he'd been talking about the fact that Samsung was really struggling to attract a female consumer base a younger consumer base and then he showed the project team for this new piece of tech. And it was a picture of all men, probably 20 of them, all in their 50s, all in Navy suits, all either kind of white, Caucasian looking or Korean looking. And that was that was the picture. And it made me so angry. I literally, the hair, even when I talk about it now, the hair stand up on my arms. It was like I've been hit by a lightning bolt. And I thought, this is not on. This is so not on. Um, and at the coffee break... And I've hoisted myself like really ungainly out of my beanbag. And I went to um, grab the man who'd been on stage who I didn't know. He didn't know me because I was a freelance and I was kind of in a cupboard under the stairs at Samsung. And I literally grabbed him by the, by the shoulder and said, not in so many words, but I was kind of like, what the heck? Like you're, on the one hand, you're talking about attracting or not attracting a female crowd. And on the other hand, who's making all the decisions? And he went, well, come and help me change it then. And I kind of went, <laughs> like palm, <laughs> palm plant. I was like, what have I gone and done? I don't want a full-time job and I don't want a permanent permanent job. And I was like, I have to. This is like, it was black and white to me. Like literally the university just said to me, you have to go and sort this out. 
So um, when the then um, the marketing lead moved on, um, I called this guy and he became my boss, Connor, and said, I want to throw my hat into the ring for the job. And he was like, well, you, you don't want full-time or permanent. And you don't really want to work at Samsung. I said, all of that is true, but I have to come and help change the culture from the inside out. And so I did. I joined quite soon after that in a full-time, you know, in it, marketing director role. And Connor was my boss for, what, four and a half years. And he knew the reason I joined. He knew that I was there to open a door for women, open a door for other voices, bring diversity into the marketing team, attract female consumers. The way that I, I guess, I showed up and to help do that is I, I figured out that if I was visible and present and vocal and other people at Samsung and outside of Samsung saw me doing it, they'd know that there's some change happening. And it all culminated really in me being invited to open the show at Unpack which is where we launched New Phones the World in San Francisco the year before last to launch a new, I've got it here with me, my my folding phone, like Z Flip, it's amazing. So I launched this to the world and I got a call to say, will you do it? And I was like, oh my God, it's like, a bit like when you get a call about doing a TED Talk. What have I let myself in for? I called, I called Connor and said, they've asked me to do Unpack, they've asked me to open the show. He's like, you've got to do it. This is what you've been working for for four and a half years. Get on that stage. <laughs> so it was, and I said to everyone around me, if I can do it, I'm a woman, I'm not Korean, I'm English, whereas normally they have a Korean or an American on stage. If I can do it, you can do it. And that was my mission almost com- complete at Samsung. In my Northern phrase book, it's cracking on, getting in there and, and, and disrupting from within, but disrupting for good and using your power for good to make that change, you know. And I know you were so passionate about marketing and we've talked about the nutrition, which I, I need to talk about before we, we finish. And you call it your side hustle. How on earth you have found the time to develop this and do this and gain a postgrad qualification in the subject. So, well, it's running your multinational marketing teams tell us tell us about your uh your, your side hustle so i had um when i was at coca-cola i um i had really bad acne and really bad eczema and i went on this journey and i'll, I'll keep a long story quite short but i went on this journey of understanding the the way that i was living in terms of a full-on global job commuting every single week on a plane or on a chain living probably on caffeine and yeah cappuccinos and sandwiches was not doing me any favors And I ended up figuring out with the help of a nutritional therapist and a dermatologist that I was allergic to cow's milk. I'd never known this. Like for 25 years, I've been having a latte every morning and it was was always extra hot, extra shots. I didn't really like the taste of milk. I only really wanted the coffee. I mean, talk about it was right in front of the evidence was right in front of me, but I never knew how to understand what my body was telling me. I got really interested in it. And I think um, finding the time whilst running a big team and having a huge job Almost like didn't matter because I was so interested in it. I was just so, I'm such a nutrition nerd. I'll happily read um, books at night and sat in bed with my book while, you know, my husband's watching Netflix or something. I'm reading about some nutrition science. I always found it fascinating because I thought, God, if just changing one simple thing in my diet has such an impact on my body, imagine what it can do for other people. And I started at night school. I did a part-time course. And then I went back to do some more and then I did postgrad. And the hardest bit was doing a postgrad whilst in a full-time job. That was just like my brain was exploding. But I was like, you know what? I just want to um, learn as much about this as I can. And there's a lot of pseudoscience. There's a lot of magazine headlines around nutrition that are complete and utter, I won't swear, rubbish. So I also wanted to make sure that I was properly grounded in the science. And ultimately, what drove me was when I was a Coca-Cola and at Samsung, I was surrounded by the most amazing, brilliant people 
who are often borderline burnt out, like because they're running and running and running and they're not looking after themselves. And I thought if I if I can ha- if I can help a handful of them to feel better and to have more energy, more brain power, more creativity, more resilience, less time off work, that's my that's my job, and that's what drove the positioning of the health coach to high flyers. Because I'm also one of those nutritionists. It's not about quinoa and kale. I'm like, who's got time to cook that in the morning? Like, this is real world stuff. <laughs> and I think that, I mean, it resonates with me. I have a constant battle with food, you know, I'm, having, I'm in that stage of life where I'm having that, con, uh, that, um, that perimenopausal, my, you know, sort of the meta- metabolism seems to be zero. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got plantar fasciitis in my feet. This is a whole therapy session right now here, you know, and it's that, it's that battle. I've always been kind of naturally fit, but I'm like, you know, gaining weight. I seem to fast and not, I, I've always been a don't eat unless I'm hungry thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm also mindful of, you know, I'm in my early fifties and, you know, is are there any kind of real changes or any sort of real top tips out? And we will put the details in the show notes so people can follow up. But is there any kind of is there one real advice that you would do? Because we're, we're all different, aren't we? Everyone's body is different, completely different, and that's also a nutritional kind of drives me mad when I see the headlines like in the in the tabloids around you've got to do this. I'm like, yeah, that's great for one person. I think probably the the the, the simplest thing that suits most people is to really really minimise processed sugar. Because it's inflammatory, it spikes um, cortisol and adrenaline, it depletes our energy, it, it mucks with our metabolism, we store it as fat deposits in our liver. Like, there's so much about sugar that's not good for us. So there's an amazing book, and she was really one of my inspirations, and that's Sarah Wilson, who wrote I Quit Sugar. So I think if there's anything most of it that suits most of us, it's that. What's really fascinating about perimenopause, and I'm 48 now and like smack banging perimenopausal territory is I found um, aloe vera juice to be so 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 useful because I was having crazy hot sweats and all that malarkey and now I have an an egg cup full of um, an organic um, aloe vera juice in the morning and the hot sweat stopped and again that's not going to work for everybody but I was like oh my god like one thing that changed I've also decreased caffeine I only have a decaf now and um, massively decreased alcohol. But that's a whole other topic. Well, I've got a few, I've got a few challenges there and I will feed back to you and let you know how I get on. But I think, you know, like you say, it's not the one headline for all. And, and, and finally, I know we're rapidly running out of time, but very quickly, TEDx, you talked about the TEDx tour. I'm a, I ran, you know, and, and operated and hosted TEDx Whitehall Women for five years. So I've always been massively passionate about giving people a platform and a stage. We created our Be Heard platform last year to, you know, increase representation in the media and events industry. So tell us very, very quickly. And again, we'll put your talk in the show notes, but tell us very quickly what you covered and top tips for anyone thinking or have been approached to do a TED Talk. How do you do it without the fear? So um, let me cover the topics. The topic was gut instincts. She never lies. So how to trust your gut gut instinct because she never lies. And it brought together the nutrition science behind our guts, which are amazing. They're way more intelligent than our brain. And the idea of trusting and tuning into our gut instinct because it's really really clever like the thing with me and milk and lattes and acne I never even tuned into that but it was right in front of my face so it was um a TEDx talk you know maybe three no five years ago now I think about that topic I would say absolutely go for it if you're even thinking if that's on your bucket list of things to do to do a TEDx it is petrifying right because you're on stage with no auto cue in front of a big audience, having to remember word for word, sometimes up to like TEDx is a maximum, probably 15 minutes now. Remember all of that. 
and do it in a way that's engaging. And I look back on mine and I can see I'm like, oh, I'm a way better presenter now than I was then. But it was it was an amazing thing to do. And it got me it tapped into a community that I now love. And the idea of TEDx and TED, ideas worth spreading, ideas worth sharing, I think is something that we all need. And I love it. And now I host TED. So I've gone back to kind of MC for them. And that's even better because I don't have to have the, you know, the petrifying fear of remembering my words. I just get to be on stage and flat about. <laughs> and that's what I loved. I love being the voyeur, the Ted voyeur. So just me, honestly, listen, uh, Rebecca, I could talk to you for hours. This has been a bumper <laughs> episode this week. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh my God, so many like hacks, top tips, everything in there. I, I mean, literally we weren't around the world for, you know, getting more seats at the table, having your voice heard, <laughs> practice, 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 aloe vera, um, uh, stopping your hot flushes. You know what I mean? I've, I've literally, in fact, to be honest, Rebecca, this is a personal episode just for me. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, Rebecca, thank you so much for being here today. And thanks all of you for tuning in today if you love our episodes let us know by rating reviewing subscribing to the podcast let your friends know about us and reach out on socials at north power women on twitter and northern power women on all our other socials drop us a line old school podcast at northernpowerwomen.com join us next monday when i'll be joined by yet another amazing person who's going to help me with my life you know <laughs> i'm from the northern power women community my name is Samo roche and you've been listening to the northern power women podcast and what goes on me Media production. Yeah.